Right, uh, this is the fifth in a series. We've been looking at the incredible life of Joseph. And we've seen that there are 50 chapters in the book of Genesis. And many of them are devoted to a man by the life name of Joseph. And there are tremendous principles that God wants us to learn from his life. And the tragedy is many times we don't read the Bible and that is to our demise. And I hope and pray that those of you that have not been here, that will go into YouTube and catch up the, the, the last four sessions so that you know a little bit more about his life because many of those or just about all of the things that he goes through in life, you are going to go through. You might go through it to, to a different degree or different measure, but you're going to go through the different trials and tribulations that he went through. But this morning, yeah, or last week, we looked at what? Dream the impossible dream. And in this nation, many people have stopped dreaming because they just see don't, no possibilities. There's this, this uh, roadblock and that roadblock and, that, and they just stop dreaming. And God says we are not to stop dreaming because why? We are stewards of what is entrusted into our hands. Amen? And what he entrusts into you, you are called to grow and to multiply. So stop making excuses. I'm not going to listen to your excuse. I'm going to tell you straight to pull your socks up and start running with the dream that God has placed in your heart. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Stop using excuses irrespective of your age, irrespective of your color, irrespective of your creed, where you are in life. Start running with the dream that God has placed in your heart. Right. Right. This morning we're going to have a look at the pit is part of the fulfillment of your dream. Uh-oh. Would you read with me? Genesis 37 verse 19 through to 22. It reads as follows. Here comes... The dreamer, they said to each other. These are Joseph's brothers that speak like this. Can you believe it? Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him. Then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Then Reuben heard this. He tried to rescue him from from the hands. Let's not take his life, he said. Don't shed any blood. Throw him into the cistern here in the desert, but don't lay a hand on him. Reuben said this to rescue him from them and take him back to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, the richly ornamented robe he was wearing. Some of us know it as the coat of many colors. And they took him and threw him into the cistern. Now the cistern was empty. There was no water in it. As they sat down to eat their meal, they, took up, they looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. The, the camels were loaded with spices, bombs, myrrh, and they were on their way to take, down, take them down to Egypt. Judah said to his brothers, What will we gain if we kill our brother? And cover up his blood. Now they weren't going to kill him. They were just going to leave him there in the cistern and he would have starved to death. How wicked is that? Your own brothers, hey? Come, let's let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. His (coughs) brothers and his brothers agreed. So when when the Midianites came by, his brothers pulled him up out of the cistern 
and sold him for 20 shekels of silver to the Ishmaelites who took him to Egypt. Who sold Jesus? Judas, eh? Sold Judas. There's many, 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 because Joseph is a shadow of Jesus. And uh, we'll deal a little bit more with that at a later stage, but I have dealt with some of them and shared some of them, and we will deal with some of them in the future. Point one. In our dreams, we never see the pit. How clever is God? When we get this amazing dream, and he gets this amazing dream, Joseph, he never envisaged that there would be a pit or a prison experience. Did he? Genesis 37, 5 to 8 says, Joseph had a dream. And when he, when he told his brothers, they hated him all the more. In other words, like I said last week, they already hated him. And then he goes and foolishly shares with his brothers the dream he had. And they, because of that, they hate him even more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaves rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. He just shares the dream, okay? His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Now, Joseph has this conception of this dream, and what happens when you have a dream? This is what's going to happen. What do you do? What happens within you? There's excitement. There's zeal. Oh, yeah, wow, oh, this is awesome. And often, unwisely, people share it with the wrong people. But the point is, When God drops a dream in our heart or a vision or to start a new business or whatever, what is there? There's tremendous excitement and zeal. Okay? The problem is that we do not see the pit and we do not see the prison that is in the path to the fulfillment of the dream. Here we are now. Here's the dream. The fulfillment of the dream, the palace. But this is, God is silent here. (laughs) You know why he's silent there? Because he's very clever. If he tells you what's going to happen at the end, what are you going to do? If Joseph, if God said, oh, and just by the way, I forgot to tell you, for this dream to be fulfilled, your brothers are going to want to kill you, and then maybe decide not to kill you and sell you into slavery. You're going to become a slave. How about that? Do you think he would have zealously and ex- shared it with his brothers? No. no, I don't think so. Then to top it all, actually you're going to spend a couple of years, maybe 10 years in jail. Do you think he would have shared it with anyone? No. Do you? No, I don't think so. Would you, would you, if, if you were given that, would you be excited? Hey? No, which means you would not have shared it with you. You would have kept very quiet. And this is how God works. When he drops a dream in your heart, he never tells you the process to the fulfillment of the dream. Why? Because you'll run away. Oh, you don't believe me. Who of you know the story of uh, Jonah? God tells him, go to Nineveh. What does he do? He runs in the opposite direction. Why? Because he knew that when he goes and he preaches to them, they're going to repent. God's going to show them mercy. He doesn't want that, so he thinks, thinks stuff. This I know what's going to be the outcome, so I'm not going to do it. And this is, this is how we are as humans. 
That's why God never tells you the process. That's why we need to say, okay, Lord, what is it that you've, what is it that you want me to accomplish? But I want you to know that you will have a pit experience. But the beautiful thing is you will have a dream. And you will know, you will not know what the pit is. But I can guarantee you there is never gain without pain. Who of you have wanted to be Arnold Schwarzenegger? Please put up your hand. Some big muscle. Come on, men. Please put up your hand. One person's honest. Okay. Who's, who's, who's the liars in here? Please put up your hand. Uh, now, there's, now, now the hands want to come up. Come on, when we're young, we think, oh, you're one minute. But you're, for you to get there, it takes tremendous effort. It tra- takes a lot of work. It takes a lot of pain for you to get there. And most people don't want to go through the pain to get the gain. That's life. But let me tell you, I've learned, if you want to gain so often in life, it takes a lot of pain. Can you believe that it took Tears Joseph, 17 years old, gets this dream, and he does not see the process of 13 years of hardship, of hell, before he gets raised up to be the overseer of Egypt. But you know how long it took for the real fulfillment of the whole dream? Take a guess. 24 years. It took about 24 years before the true fulfillment of that whole dream. 24 years. Who of you have had a dream and it's taken you a year and you've become disillusioned? Or two years? Or a decade? Or even two decades and you've become disillusioned? Don't become the solution. If God promises, it will happen. But in his time. And maybe some of you have a dream to start a business. Work at it. Don't give up. Will you, will you end up in the pit? Yes, I guarantee you will. But don't, don't focus there. Focus on the where you're going. The palace. Point two. Why did he end up in the pit? Who wants to tell me why they think he ended up in the pit? (laughs) Why do you think that Joseph ended up in the pit? Give it to me. Yes. Arrogance. Arrogance. Interesting. I like that. Very good. I really like that. Jealousy on on his brother's parts. Okay. What else? Sorry? So that the process will be fulfilled. Okay. To get to know himself. Okay, good. What else? So that he could learn to cry to God for help. Okay. What else? What are the reasons that you think that he was in the pit? I think there were a number of contributing factors. And many of you have said some of them. I want to read read Genesis 37 verse 2. It says, This is the account of Jacob. I'm only going to read verse 2. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flock with his brothers. Okay? The sons of Bela and the sons of Zelpha, his father's wives. (laughs) And he brought to their father a bad report about them. Joseph grew up in a house with how many mothers? Four. Okay. 
Four. Do you think that's dysfunctional? Absolutely. Not in those days. Do you think it caused dysfunction? It has to. It has to. There's only one queen in the home. That's why the Bible says, when you get married, leave your mother and father and be united to your, or cleave to your wife. Why? Because there can only be one queen in the home. Let me tell you now, if you want friction in a home, stay with your mother. <laughs> it ain't going to work. That's a principle in itself. So thank you that you've learned that. Those of you that still staying with your mother, run. <laughs> Even though you love her, run. So here, what actually happened, let me give you a bit of a background. Some of you are not aware of it. Some of you may be. Joseph is born from who? Who's his mother? Rachel. Now, let me tell you the story, what happened here. Who is J- Joseph's father? Jacob. Right? Jacob meets this beautiful girl by the name of Rachel and desires to marry her. And then his father-in-law to be, he says, you can have her, but you're going to work seven years for her, right? He works seven years, gets married to her, he then consummates a marriage and he sees, oh, oh, bitty, bitty, I have a problem. This ain't Rachel, this is Leah. He was Deceived. He, end, he worked seven years for someone that he did not want. Do you think this is a principle? The Bible says what you sow, you will reap. What you sow, you will reap. Jacob, years before, deceived his brother and stole the birthright from Esau. Hello? He ran away to another country, yet even in another country couldn't hide from the principle. What you sow, you will reap. And here, Joseph is deceived by his father-in-law. <laughs> I mean, Jacob, yeah, by his father-in-law, Jacob. Seven years he worked for him. Then, then his father-in-law says, Ach, no problem. Because he believed, well, she's the older sister, she needs to get married first. Then he says, you can have Rachel, but you're going to work another seven years. Now, can you tell me, men, please stand up for the, any of you that would work seven years for your wife. Please stand up. <laughs> now, now all the men want to stand because they want to be in good books. I can guarantee you probably no men are going to stand up now. If you women were not here, you would think, oh, you know, no, that's a high price. Okay, let's say you stood up. Let's turn the thing around now. 14 years. Who of you would work for your wife for 14 years? Oh, one man too. You're going to get lucky tonight, my man. (laughs) Can you believe it? 14 years. And here he's in this home. Okay? And Leah and Rachel, sisters... Now imagine being married to one woman. That's enough in itself. Okay. Now you've got two. And not, not only are these two women, they are sisters on top of this. Whoa, frack, I don't know if I could do that. He's got two wives and they're sisters. 
The worst part is that they are barren. Now you can imagine in a household where you're barren what, the, what must have happened. Give me a son or I'm going to die, said Rachel. Eventually they take matters into their own hands and what do they do? They give their husband their maid servant. And they said, here you go, you be the surrogate for me. Very foolish. Not so. Hello? When we take, irrespective of it being legal, there are many things in life that are legal. The Bible says all things are permissible, but not all things are beneficial. Okay? Things might be legal, doesn't mean that it's wise. It can be highly foolish, even though it may be legal. And here, uh, Jacob goes and has his sons and daughters, for those of you that don't know, but he goes and has children through the maidservant. And you think this is going to cause friction. And then eventually, years later, what happens to Jacob? He gets blessed by God through his trophy wife, the one he wanted, and only the one he wanted all this time, Rachel. And he has a son by the name of Joseph. And then he gets blessed with another one by the name of Benjamin. And here starts the cycle. Why do you think he ended up in the pit? Because he favored Joseph above all his other sons. Was this Joseph's fault? No. This was a flaw in whose character? Jacob's. In his father's. It was a flaw in his father's character, yet he got punished for it. However, he probably also realized and thought, I mean, at 17, I think you're not that foolish. You must have realized, well, you know, God, Daddy loves me more than them, isn't it? Come on. Maybe he was arrogant. I don't know. Yes, probably was. And said, hey, guys, listen to this dream I had. had. And then they, they interpreted it. He didn't. He said, well, maybe he said, well, you interpreted it. I didn't. You think whatever you, you like. But this made them hate him all the more. So that could have been a reason that he was in a pit. Maybe it was because of his arrogance that God put him there or allowed him to be put there to eradicate that out of his life and this arrogance and self-entitlement that God could transform him to get him to where he wanted him. Sometimes God allows certain trials, tribulation, hardships, pits, prisons in our lives to get things in our lives out so that he can get the glory through our lives. That it's no longer me, but it's God. It's no longer, I speak about my accomplishments, but the accomplishments that God has done through me. And sometimes God wants to do that, church. Otherwise, we'd be highly arrogant, self-indulged, and talk only about ourselves and our great accomplishments, when actually all they are is done through the strength and abilities that God has given us. How would you have felt if you were his brothers, same father, Different mother, same father though, but he loved the other brother above you. How would you feel? Angry? Disappointed? Frustrated? Spoken to other brothers, wanted to kill him because of this? And this was the scenario. And maybe you put in the prison or put that you presently in at this time. 
because of other people, not because of anything you've done wrong. And many times we look at our pit and our prison in life and we think, but God, why have you put me here? Sometimes God didn't put you there. It's because of the circumstances and the sinful behavior of other men and women. But do not look to the prison. Look to the palace where God is wanting to take you. Genesis 37 verse 4, it says there, When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. How sad is that, time? They could not speak a kind word to them. And what had happened was Joseph, this, this, this favoritism was, became concrete and became so much worse when he was given a coat of many colors or a greatly ornamented coat by his father. And they hated him for it. But when he shared that dream, it tipped it over the edge where they said, now you've gone too far, my boy. Now we're going to nail you. Now we're going to sort you out. And so what happened? He gets put in a prison. He gets put in a pit because of what? Because he shared a dream and because he was favored, not initially because of any of his own wrongdoing. So sometimes you need to know that you get put in a pit because of other people that are jealous of you. Sometimes you get put in a pit or in prison because of your own doing and you need to take responsibility of that and then repent first and foremost to God because any sin that we commit is first and foremost towards God before anyone else Okay, and then we need to make right so that God can take us out number three how did he feel in the pit how do you feel when you're in the pit when someone owes you money and doesn't pay you and you can't pay your debts and you're going to fold and you fold in your business who have you been there yeah, I know. Many of you here will say yes, me. Who of you are, feel even right now you're in a pit and you just don't know how to get out? How do you think for him it felt being in the pit? How do you think he felt? I've come to learn that most of the time when we're in the pit is the time that we grow the most. If we're wise. If we're foolish, we hold on to feelings of Indignation, irritation, anger, rage, malice, bitterness, resentment, hatred, retaliation, revenge, vengeance, murder, and the like. Isn't it? Do you think he got into that pit, sold into slavery, ends up in prison? Do you think he didn't have thoughts of, yeah, I'm going to kill that woman? I did nothing to her. Yeah, she throws herself at me, and I want to do what's honorable. And God, here you go, and you just abandon me. And I end up in prison. Do you think he didn't think, yes, I'm going to kill that girl? Hello? Who of you would have thought, yeah, I'm going to nail those brothers of mine? I've never done anything wrong to them. Who of you think he thought that? Of course he did. Come on. Do you think, oh, he thought, my poor brothers, you little wallies, you know, putting me in here. What do they think they're doing? No, he thought, although he had all those feelings running through them, just like you, when someone stole from you, huh? what did you feel? I'm going to do this and hit this lawyer and do this. Come on. Or this guy did this to me. Or this guy did that to me. And this, I'm going to do this. Come on. It's human nature. 
How do you think he felt when he was in the pit? Just like you when you are in your pit or when you ended up in the pit. And all of us have been in different pits. How did you feel? He felt the same. He was also human. But maturity is when we, when we have these feelings and we say, these are not of God. I choose to let go of this. That is maturity. Some of us never, ever get become mature in Christ. Never. Some people never get there. Colossians 3 verse 8 to 10. But now you must rid yourself of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. And have put on a new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Get rid of your old self. Those feelings of anger and rage and malice and destruction. God says get rid of those things. Put on a new self. So that I can use you for my glory and for my name's sake. And that's easier said than done. But you have to come to a point where you say, fighting in my own strength is a waste of time. And I want to encourage you to put on your new self. And then it says here, which is being renewed in knowledge. Renewed in the knowledge of what? Of God. Not of any knowledge. Much knowledge in this day and age is superfluous, useless. But knowledge of God. So, losers focus on what they're going through, but champions focus on where they're going to. And one of the people in our, in our era is, and someone that's highly respected is Mandela. Why? Because he had tremendous hatred and bitterness and rage and anger and malice. And he took off of that and he let that go. That's why he's so honored around the world today. I wish we'd learn a lesson from him. Number four. What should our reaction be when we're in the pit? What should our reaction be when we land up in the pit of life? Or in the prisons? Most people resort to pleading and begging. Can you imagine? Can you imagine he has Joseph being thrown into a pit? What do you think he was doing? Don't do it, please, man. Do you think he was crying? Of course he was, man. Yeah, brothers want to kill him, talk about it, throw him into a pit, take his coat off. Yeah, come on, please love me, I love you, I'm never doing it again. Yeah, of course he was doing it, he was crying. He was pleading, what else? Begging, what else? Come on, give it to me. What else was he doing? What about screaming? What about fighting? Come on. What about trade agreements? Come on, let's do some. Trade agreements. If you do this, if you let me go, I'll do this. Come on. I won't come and look, come and check you out and spy on you and go report to my dad and give him a bad report anymore. I will come and do your job. You can stay at home and drink tea with my dad. What about manipulation? What do you do when you're in the pit? Ah, now we start seeing ourselves, hey? Do you, do any of us resort to this? These are not behaviors that God wants. Because you are being driven by your 
emotion and not by the word of God. What is he saying in this situation? And that's what we need to do. When we get into a pit or into prison, we need to say, God, what are you saying in this situation? What should I be doing here? But many times when we end up in a pit, what do we do? We just start grabbing on any little, any possibility of hope. We jump. I know I've done it, but so have you. And it's foolishness. It is unwise. And that is the maturity that God needs to take us, get out of our lives so that we can become mature and attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Philippians 4, 4 verse 4 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. Can you rejoice even in your pit? Do you think he rejoiced in his pit? I, I, I believe eventually... When he was in, in, in prison, he, I think he got to that point where God said, okay, now your arrogance and your self-entitlement, etc., etc., is eradicated. Let me, let's see what we can do to change the scenario. Yes, I do believe that. There comes a point where God says, now you're ready for me to lift you up out of the miry clay and put your feet on higher ground. <clears throat> Number five, was he going to stay in the pit was he going to? No, you know he wasn't going to, but could he have? He could have died there. Yes, he could have. And you know, often, us staying in the pit of whatever situation, the financial pit you're in, the health pit you're in, or the, I don't know what pit you're in, whatever pit, often us staying there is dependent on ourselves. Do you know that? Very often, it's dependent on ourselves. And many of us don't realize this. And we need to determine whether we're going to stay in the pit or we're going to move on to the palace. Genesis 39 verse 6 to 15. Let me read this a little bit long. So he left left in Joseph's care everything he had. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome, and after a while his master's wife took notice of him, Joseph, and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against who? He didn't say against you. Because all sins first and foremost are against. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. What an amazing man. What an amazing man. How many of you men think you would have fallen in that situation? Please don't put up your hand. (laughs) He's an amazing man. Who of you would have think, gee, man, you know, I need a bit of a break. I've been in the pit away from my beloved family for so long. You know, I need a bit of love and tender care and, you know, stroked a bit. and, And after all, this might be a stepping stone to me being able to manipulate her. If things get out of hand, I just say, yeah, but you, you slept with me. Watch it, eh? 
Come on. And this is how some of us think. It is wrong. And he did not think like that. An amazing man. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants were inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, Come to bed with me. But he, and uh, that's a nice way of putting it. Let me tell you, it was not quite put in that manner. But he left his cloak in her hands and ran out of the house. When she saw he had left his cloak in her hands and had run out of the house, she called her house, household servants. Look, he said to, she said to, him, to them, this Hebrew has, brought, uh, brought to, uh, has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came in here to sleep with me, but I screamed. When he heard me scream for help, he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. A blatant? How did he get put into the pit? Any of his wrongdoing? No, he was godly. He was incredible. Yet he landed in the pit. And many of us, we live godly lives and suddenly we end up in prison and we think, What? God, you've forsaken me. I've loved you, I've served you with all my heart. Why do you allow this? That is immaturity. We don't know the heart of God yet. And God wants to teach us His heart. He wants us to understand His heart because we don't know it yet if we respond in that way. Now, He's in, this, he's in prison. How, is He going to stay there? It was determined. It was totally dependent on Him. Why do you say that? Tell me what got him out of prison. I mean, out of prison. What, what was it that got him out there? His dream. Where did he get, where did he, his dream? No, not his dream. What, what? His ability to interpret dreams got him out of there. Where did he get that gift from? Himself? From God. Who got him out? Why? Because God gave him the ability to interpret dreams. If he had hardened his heart and said, Stuff you, God, you've rejected me, and I want nothing to do with you, I'm not going to serve you, I'm an atheist from this day forth, as I know some people have chosen to do. What would have happened? He would have remained in prison. And like you said earlier, he would have probably died. But he chose to say, Lord, I surrender to you. I don't know what what you're doing here, what's going on, but I will choose to love you and serve you. And we're not sure how long he was in prison, at least two years. I think about ten years. Ten years. Then what happens? These guys have dreams. The cupbearer and the, um, what do you call it? The baker has a dream. And he interprets the one and says, you're going to be restored to the cupbearer. You're going to be restored back to where your previous position. And you're going to be, you know... Put back where you were and, you know, able to tell, tell the, uh, what's his pharaoh, yes, drink this, eat this, don't eat this, because that was his position. He says, oh, yeah, you're, you're the greatest. I will remember you when I'm back put in that position. And the other guy, the baker, tells his dream, says, you're going to be put to death. And he says, whoa, I'm never going to tell you my dream. And it happened as he had said. And do you think the cupbearer remembered him? Only two years later when Pharaoh had a dream, now was the right time. And he has this dream and he says, I know someone. What was his name? Uh, Yanni? No, no, not Yanni. Uh, Jacob? No, 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 no. Oh, Joseph. Yes, he's in prison. This and this ward. Go get him. 
And just like that, in an instant, he interprets that dream. And from nothing, from being in prison, he becomes the second in charge to Pharaoh. He becomes the big shot of the land, just like that. Whose doing was that? God's, and only God. Why? Because he changed his heart and said, Okay, Lord, I don't know why I'm here. It's unfair that I'm in this pit. But I'm not going to stay here. I love you and I give my, I surrender my life to you. And I ask you to remove me from this prison. Because you know I don't belong here. And in an instant, 13 years later, from being thrown in the pit, here he comes and he becomes the overseer in Egypt. Wow. How awesome is that? In an instant, God changed the situation. In an instant, God can change things in this nation. Let me tell you now. I don't care who says whatever. God can change it overnight in an instant. So, if you're in the pit of life, there might be also, these might be little things. I just thought I'd quickly throw this in for, to help some of you, maybe in business or whatever. Set goals and make, make plans. Number two, focus on being out of the pit, but don't focus on where you're at. If you focus on the mud all your, and wallowing in the mud, you'll never see the beauty out there what that God has for you. Okay? Focus on where he wants to take you. Number three, express gratitude for life. Thank God even though you're in that prison or pit. Learn from your past, your foolish, exposing your dreams when you shouldn't have, etc., etc. Seek advice and help from others. Number six, keep your mind and, and yourself busy. Do whatever God gives. Be faithful to what he's given you. Okay? Keep your hands busy. And number seven, keep trusting and hoping for change. Because let me guarantee you that day will come. So never allow the pit to stop you from believing the promises of God for your life. Don't allow it. Listen to this. If you never felt pain, how would you know that I am a helper? A healer, sorry. If you never went through difficulties, how would you know that I'm a deliverer? If you never had a trial, how would you know that I'm a comforter? If you never made a mistake, how would you know that I'm forgiving? If you never were in trouble, how would you know that I will come to rescue you? If you were broken, how would you know that I can make you whole again? If you never had a problem, then how would you know that I can solve them? If you never had known suffering, then how would you know that Jesus went through what you went through? If you never went through the fire... How would you become pure? If I gave you all things, how would you appreciate them? If I never correct you, how would you know that I love you? If you had all power, then how would you learn to depend on me? If your life was perfect, then how would you need me? What would you need me for? Beautiful, eh? Number six, can you be grateful for the pit? Can you be grateful? Who's in a pit right now? Put up your hand or in prison. Feel that you're in a pit. 
One of you, two of you, three of you. Only three of you. Wow, that's awesome. So all of you on the mountaintop of life. Wow, I'm amazed. Okay. Right. Can you be grateful in the pit? Verse 2, chapter 45, verse 2, it says there, And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him. This is uh, uh, Joseph when he sees his brothers for the first time after 22 years, okay? And Pharaoh's household heard about it. This was the best kept secret, let me tell you, in Egypt. Verse 3, Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. My father Is my father still alive? But his brothers were, were not able to answer him because they were terrified at his presence. They were petrified. You must know Joseph was a meneer now, okay? He was the, in, he was the bee's knees. Everyone honored, revered, respected, and stood in awe of this man. Okay? He, 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 had, he had begun, this was only the beginning, it's about two years after the, what do you call it, after the, the famine. And he had, he had basically saved Egypt from devastation and actually in the long term the world. So now, I mean, they, they, everyone bows down before him. And his brothers had already bowed down before him. And did they do it willingly? Hey? Were they forced to or did they do it willingly? They had to. Uh, they had to. No, they didn't have to. They wanted to, let me promise you. They stood in awe of this man. You're petrified when you come in that in his presence. Just like one day everyone will bow their knees when they come into the presence of Jesus Christ one day. Every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Not because they're forced to, because of his glory. Let me tell you now. Then Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I'm your brother, the one you sold into Egypt. And now... Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years there uh, there will be no plowing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth. And to save your lives by a great deliverance. Wow. Can you be grateful for the pit in your life? Tell me, was Joseph grateful for the pit in his life? Hey? Incredible maturity. Who of you, now you're 13 years and you're taken out of prison, you put, you know, you're second in charge. I mean, you're the big, you make the calls. Who of you would have said, Potiphar, bring your wife here, Chanabim. You, the great executioner in this place, now is my turn. Come, bring your wife. Who of you would have done that? I know many people that would have done that. He doesn't do that. Could he have? Oh, yes, he could have. Did he? No. Do you think he could have sent a whole army to go and fetch his brothers and sort them out? Yes. Did he? No. Do you understand the incredible maturity in this man and the forgiveness and the letting go and letting God? Wow. He was grateful for the pit because he knew that if he wasn't put in that pit, if he wasn't put in the prison, he would have never been had the exposure and opportunity to 
interpret dreams and then being revealed or get in contact with Pharaoh. It was a divine appointment that he had. And God did not put him in the pit, and God did not put him in the prison. But God allows all things to work together for good to those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And we need to have that in our heart and know that God, thank you that, I don't know how, but you're going you're gonna to turn this for my good and to your glory. I don't know how you're going to do it, but you're God, and I'm not, and I accept that. And I thank you that you're going to turn this. I, even this nation, I don't know how you're going to turn this around. But I'm not God. You are. And I trust you. And I know that you will do great things. Because that is in your heart for us as your people. Wow. Here he is. Eventually everyone realizes what has happened. He thanked God for that, but I guarantee you. And we need to learn to thank God for the pit or the prison experience that we're in because God is transforming us and molding us and shaping us so that we are ready for when we get to the palace, that we can maybe mature. If we, if we don't, what will end up happening is when God puts, puts us on the mountaintop of life, we, it is so easy to become proud and arrogant and think, well, you, you, little whippersnapper, and zip, zip, and we can deal with people like that, and God does not want that. He wants us to deal with people in love and reconciliation and kindness and goodness and meekness. He was incredibly merciful and gracious to his brothers, even though they were not. He showed, he, he moved in what we call the opposite spirit to which his brothers did. And we as if we call ourselves Christians, we need to act and react in the opposite spirit. Where there's hatred, we show love. Where there's vengeance, we show mercy. Etc., etc. And I want to encourage you, may we do that. Joseph, 39 years old, sees his brothers again for the first time. And he weeps. Do you think he was weeping because he saw his brothers and he'd missed them? Or do you think he's weeping because, wow, this is God. You've, you've literally fulfilled this dream in reality. Which one is it? I don't know. I think he really loved his brothers. Even though he had come to a point where, they're my brothers, I love them. They didn't know what they were doing. Actually, and God turned this for the good. When he's 41 years old, two years later, he sees his father for the first time. He's 41 years old. He was 17 when he last saw his father. How awesome is that? And guess what? His father bowed down before him. And boom, the full dream was fulfilled. And he was not forced to bow down. (laughs) Hey, that is gone. Absolutely amazing. For those of you that don't know, Joseph was given a coat of melon colors uh, by his father. He gives it to him. And it was ripped off by his brothers in disgrace. Then Potiphar gave him also a coat. And his wife ripped it off in lust. When he was with Pharaoh, Pharaoh also gave him a coat. And this time it was given to him in trust. From disgust, from to, to lust, to trust. 
Can God entrust you with a coat? Can He place a mantle upon you because He can trust you? What about Jesus? Do you think He has a coat now? Because it was ripped off from Him at the cross. I wonder, do you think it's been, He's been given another one? Point seven. When in the palace, never forget the pit. And I think this is one of the most important things. We must never forget where we have come from. Jesus says in Revelation 2 verse 5, Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. I will remove your lampstand from its place. And this is the most important thing. We must not forget what God has done for us. Because no matter who you are, no matter what color you are, no matter what creed you are, no matter from what nation you are, God says the same thing to you. And he says it to me. If you're going to become arrogant, and you're going to become self-entitled, and think, well, I've done it all, be careful. Be careful. God says, I will remove. I will remove. Not someone else. I will remove you from where you are. I will remove your lampstand from its place. When in the palace, never forget the pit. Don't forget, when you become great or highly favored by people, maybe even by God, Don't forget where you came from. Because if you start becoming arrogant and self-entitled and you don't allow God to deal with those issues, that when you get there you can deal with people in love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and reconciliation, restitution, etc., etc., He will remove you from your lamb, from your place. Can I read Psalms 23 or should I end? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I can know. Even though I'm in the pit in the prison, I know that God is with me. And Joseph was like that. Irrespective of what I go through, what I experience, I know one thing, that God is with me. And I'm not going to let go of the hem of his garment. Whether I be in the pit, in the prison, or in the palace, I will not let go of his garment. And may I encourage you, I don't know where you are at this present moment in time, but one thing I do know, that when God gives you a dream, in this process you will go through different pits and prison experiences. But hold on to him, because he will take you through. And He will use you for His glory if you'll allow Him. If you, you, if, you, if, you, you, if you go through this for your own glory, He will remove your lampstand. And may that never be the case with any of us. May we choose to give Him glory and honor at all times and at all things. Because then our legacy will last a lifetime, not just a season. Amen? Come, let's bow our heads. Who of you here feel, with every head bowed and every eye closed, who of you feel that you're in a pit or in a prison at this point in moment in time and you just don't know how to get out and you do not see any light at the end of the tunnel? A couple of you.
Thank you. Bless you guys. I want to pray for those that want to come forward for any prayer. If you feel in your pit or any situation. But I want you to never forget that no matter what experiences you go through in life, that God is there for you and he will never leave you or forsake you. God wants to put your feet on higher ground. But let him do the transformation work and the changing that needs to take place in your attitude and in your heart for him to lift you up again. Lord, I pray for every single person here. I pray your blessing upon them. I pray your favor upon their lives. Thank you that we are highly favored as we we walk in step with you. Forgive us where we've been arrogant and wanted to avenge those that have treated us wrongly. Forgive us where we've tried to do things in our own strength and in our own abilities. Lord, we pray that you would help us to let go of the reins of our lives and allow you to take over. I pray, Lord Jesus, that none of us here would remain in the pit of life, but that you would lift us up and put our feet on higher ground at the right time. Lord, that you may get the glory through our lives. That this nation be, that may be known as a nation, a safe haven in the world, that it be, may be known as a godly nation, because we've chosen to do things your way, not our way. I pray, Lord, that you would bless every person here. I pray that you would go with every person here and that you would lift them up in due season. In your precious name I pray. Amen and amen. 